Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, I don't know if you can hear this, but I'm I'm kind of glowing right now. Oh, really? Are you pregnant? You might say I'm a little tumescent even. Oh, gross. You know that moment when you've got a new relationship and everything is great and like you don't see the faults in the other person at all it's you're just, just excited about that person you just want to be with them all the time did you get a, are you starting a new podcast <laughs> with a different partner <laughs> ben i found my new regular bar and after last night i'm proud to say that we're going steady oh yeah just what you need. <laughs> it brought a friend in there because you want to pass the friendship test. Second time for the friend. Friend also had a great time. Felt very clear by the end of the evening that things were going to uh, move forward into a more serious form of the relationship. Wow. And uh, and here we are. I'm, I'm getting service industry discounts. Whoa. I'm getting welcome wagon status to a nice seat at the bar. It's really nice. Damn. It's good. That's a... Yeah. Uh... That's the type of shit that really appeals to me. Special treatment. <laughs> Love it. This will date the episode. When in, when in there on Easter night, the night of Easter. <laughs> the drunkest night of the year. <laughs> there were zero people in there, Ben. Wow. It was me and my good buddy. That's a, and, uh, that's a great opportunity to like get a bartender on your side. So, you yep. know, make, make, a, make a bond with the bartender that's going to last beyond that hang. I think that's why I'm able to to tell you about my change in relationship. It's because we we had a bunch of quality time for a number of hours. Yeah. And uh and it was it was super fun. Fun was had by all. Ben, I really I really want you to meet this bar. Oh. Maybe most of all. <laughs> I, it's not going to mean as much if it doesn't pass your test. Uh, I mean, you've built it up quite a bit. I feel like you've maybe given me more power than I uh, uh. I should have. It would be heartbreaking if you went in there and, and it didn't go great. If I didn't give it a uh, a, a full-throated positive review. I know. I mean, it could happen. It's like anything else, though. I mean, things could change the relationship in such a way that uh, that it doesn't go on. Like, I, I had a regular bar that you were familiar with over the years. That situation ended up changing. And yeah. And we no longer go there anymore. And this is because the bartender you liked moved on to 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 other things yeah. and it uh, and it caused you not to like the restaurant and bar anymore. This bartender made a career decision without thinking of my feelings <laughs> at all. How dare she. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that ended up ending a a great uh bar and patron relationship, but now things are looking good. Well, Adam, I'm glad that the future is so bright for you. Uh <laughs> I'm not trying to rub it in your face. That can be annoying too. You got a friend who's into a new thing, yeah, and you can't help but but be irritated by their happiness. I don't want to irritate you with my happiness, Ben. I, I don't want to be a jealous man, but there's <laughs> a lot about the way you have arranged your life that I am somewhat covetous of. 
You've got man. lots of lots of great friends. You've got you know you've been in the same city for a really long time, so your roots are deep, and uh, and you establish you know ongoing relationships with things and places, and that's just something that is so far outside of my grasp right now. I hold people to me very tight, people and things. But uh, luckily for you, Ben, you're one of those people and things. I get to come up there from time to time and uh, and and draft in your wake. And enjoy all of the wonderful things that you have at your fingertips. God, see, now I feel bad. Now <laughs> now I don't like this. I don't like this at all you anymore. You should feel bad. It's me that's got the problem. <laughs> you know what? If we could pivot into that conversation, that was a thing that I was actually thinking about this morning, not having to do with my new relationship with a bar, but just in the general sense of trying to appreciate the stress that I have uh-huh. in the times that I feel those stresses. Right. Like You mean because our career is now a very fun thing and right. occasionally we get a bunch of stuff on our plate that we have to get done in a timely way or bad things will happen, but we'd rather have these problems than almost any other problems. That is such a hard ball to keep my eye on because <laughs> I feel like why can't I be happy when everything is going pretty well. <laughs> That's not how it works. That is not how it works, man. No. And it's okay that that's not how it works. Yeah, I'm just trying to like change my relationship to the stresses of our new careers Yeah, and, and trying to twist that into uh, a pretzel that is a fun kind of stress. Yeah. Like my, my relationship to the stress needs to change because the stress isn't going away. You know that. Yeah. Well... I'll tell you the stress that I've been under lately is uh, I keep uh, feeling like I don't have enough time to get this giant Millennium Falcon Lego set out of the box and start building it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, child Ben would like to reach through the time butthole and grab you by the lapels. Yeah. Get it together, man. Yeah. is it still in the box? It's still in the box. I uh, actually just went to the hardware store today and bought a folding table that narrowly fits go. into a small amount of spare space in my office. That's and great. I, it was literally like a problem of the only horizontal surface in the in the house that could accommodate this thing is the dining room table, and Oof. that that is not going <laughs> to fly with the missus if, uh, if if it gets taken over for something like this. So yeah, that that problem is now solved. Wow. Hey, that's great. And that card table is going to come in handy for other things. Yeah. Like playing cards. I'm sure it will. Um, Like the kids table at a holiday dinner. Yeah. We've got a a friendly fire mini tour coming up. Yeah. And uh, that has been occupying so much of my time that I haven't, like, I feel like I could have gotten a lot of this done last week, but uh, too busy, like, getting t-shirts and posters put together and booking all of the travel and stuff and uh it was very much a uh, fire ready aim situation when it came time to book this tour yeah yeah so uh that's not how it works uh if you'd like to see us live i think tickets will still be on sale when this episode comes out it's yeah. uh friendlyfire.fm slash live we got like five shows all over the u.s not really all over the u.s but there's five five cities <laughs> The places that we could reasonably predict uh, not losing a ton of money right. putting on shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that that was part of it. I, I think that mainly we booked this show to not go to places specifically at 
certain people. Right. And those are the people who are sending us tweets right. about why we're not going to their particular city. Yeah. I, I hope they marinate in the feeling of being singled out because yeah. that's exactly what we did. We did it. We did it at them. Uh, the, the most heartbreaking ones of those are when like we tried to make a city happen and just couldn't because the timing was bad. And they don't know it. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way. That's yeah. happened a couple of times. Lucky to get to do this at all. So, <laughs> Right. There it is. Back to one. Back to one. Do you want to get back to Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Yeah, we're in the middle of a story. We are. It's, a, it's the second part of a two-parter. I don't really remember much of the first part. That's right, because uh, we were mornhammered the first time through. So we really need the last time on Deep Space Nine pre-roll here. Yeah. As we discuss Star Trek Deep Space Nine... Season 4, Episode 11, Paradise Lost. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. Anybody seen my paradise around here? (laughs) It's kind of related to our Marin, right? For everyone on Earth, things are going pretty great. Yeah. It's going so great that they give it a name. Like, they actually call it Paradise, and that is a thing that I would not have the confidence to do if I lived in Paradise. <laughs> if that tells you anything about my mental makeup. You don't like, want you don't want word getting out and a bunch of riffraff showing up? Is that what you're saying? I don't want to give it a name. I don't want to make it real by calling it that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that is very much related to the uh, stuff we were discussing in our Marin. Yeah, Um, and they say it all the time. You don't want to ruin paradise. But we never find out why it's paradise, do we? Other than it's the opposite of what we're getting. It's the opposite of more security. Well, I think it's paradise in that uh, it's, uh, you know, nobody wants for anything on Earth. I mean, Grandpa Joe wants a job. He wants (laughs) it so bad. Yeah, yeah, but he can have it. I don't understand this. We're going to get into it as the episode goes on. I have so many questions about Uncle Joe. It's Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe. It, so you thought the deep sea story in the first half having to do with Red Squad was going to go nowhere. It's just Nog's stupid sea story. Right. But it actually means something in this app. The power outage doesn't add up, and it starts to seem like Red Squad got deployed somewhere right around the time that the power outage started, uh, and, and Cisco and Odo kind of smell a rat. That's why I brought it up. I kind of liked Odo's vibe in this scene because they're meeting in cisco's office where he Mm -hmm. uh functions as head of starfleet security Mm -hmm. and uh odo kind of walks cisco through all of the information he would need to to find to like do an investigation for his his superior officer but who uh, his superior who is not a natural investigator the way odo is i really liked that odo is just fucking built for this you're right but he doesn't relish in the chase. Like, sometimes we'll get an episode where Odo's on a case and he's, like, living for it. Yeah. He is not that version of him. No. In this ep. It's it's definitely a Ben Sisko-driven story. Well, and I think Odo wants Ben Sisko to have have the, you know, get get the collar. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> and, and, he uh, wants to put the dope on, on Ben Sisko's table. Yeah. It's always a jam up when there's dope on the table. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but but I liked how he's in the background helping Cisco do this thing that Cisco is not naturally good at. But you know, like letting him, letting him actually get a W 
with this. Right. Uh, the B story is Jake and Grandpa Joe booting the restaurant back up. It's been like a few days since the power outage. It seems like Earth is kind of back to having power, but not uh, not really back to normal. There are still troops in the streets. The, the restaurant has not been open. And Jake is even like a little bit questioning whether the, it's too soon to to go back into business. And Jake's like, you know, there's hardly anyone on the streets. You're not going to have any customers. And Grandpa Joe's like, well, I've got plenty of customers. Just look outside. Wait until you see the security officers. <laughs> and that's his plan. He's going to sell to the security. That's who's going to fill his restaurant. Yeah. I don't want to be the type of fan that, you know, like in the new Star Wars movies, the toxic fan community that came out around those were adjudicating story moments that they felt didn't make sense. And so, like, I got hung up in this scene about Jake and Grandpa Joe going to get groceries for their restaurant, uh-huh. which I want to say right right off the top, I don't want to be seen as equivalent to a, a Star Wars fan by fanboy talking about why Snoke was killed in the second movie. <laughs> like, I don't think they're equivalent, but does it make me a bad fan to want some of this stuff answered when we talk about, like, how a world is built and works? What's What does the cash and carry look like for a restaurant operating in a post-scarcity future is the question right. you want this episode to answer. <laughs> what is the downside to an empty restaurant other than nothing to do? Like, it, does he get anything for, quote-unquote, selling a bunch of food? <laughs> this is too confusing. Yeah. Other than, like, the self-worth he must feel in looking out onto the floor and seeing a bunch of tables filled, what is he doing this for? <laughs> it's just it's just his way, you know? Yeah. It's how he, need, it's how he need, derives value from his existence. Give me Cisco's. The bottle episode. <laughs> Am I a jerk and a bad science fiction fan, or is that a, a kind of science fiction that some people enjoy that is being done on other shows or in other books or or whatever that that really like those kind of deep dives? I like those deep dives too, and I think that I was talking to a friend of mine about how there's going to be a Star Wars TV show at some point soon, and I feel yeah. like that could be catastrophic for star wars because it's a very poorly thought out universe with a bunch of major holes in like oh like if this is technically feasible why wouldn't this and this and this be true you know like why are there so many slaves and in a in a future where right uh, where like mass automation is clearly possible and uh and like why would you have robots that have sentience and feelings be part of the cast of slaves in in that society and also like why would the jedi defend such a society if it's so if it's so fucking great great questions why and why are no people fucking these robots like i I think they're just there the the stress as a television show puts on on a built world like that are so much greater than you know a a handful of two-hour films and I wonder if that like prestige television show is going to have a really hard time making it seem 
realistic that this universe even exists you know star trek discovery went through a bunch of blowback too week to week right when it was coming to series and yeah like like it's gonna be so much worse with a star wars show it's gonna it's like brandon bird is gonna have his hands full on twitter <laughs> i like liking things yeah and and it sounds like sometimes when we review these shows that we enjoy ripping parts to shreds that we don't like but i don't think that's a even a quarter of what we do. We can always do better. I'm going to keep trying if you guys keep trying. I don't feel like we're part of the, like, shitty snark economy of the internet. I hope not. I'm trying to make fun as in make it fun. Right. And less making fun of the actual stuff. But there's there's stuff that's worth it. Yeah. I don't know. It's all complicated, Ben. Complicated I, feelings. I respect that uh, that this is coming from a place of curiosity, you know? Yeah, I just want to go to the Paradise Trader Joe's and, uh, <laughs> and see where Grandpa Joe's buying his produce. Yeah. Grandpa like, Joe, meet Trader Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we get Cisco uh, doing a FaceTime with a Bolian admiral. Is this a secure line? To ask about this whole... Where was Red Squad during the power outage? Question, and yeah. uh, and he's got all he's got to go on is a transporter record, and the commandant is like, "Oh my god, I am so glad that you're the one to find this and that you told me. Like, please wipe that that record. Like, nobody is supposed to know about that. This is uh, this is all very embarrassing, but I really appreciate you bringing this to me. This is the dumbest cover up ever. <laughs> <laughs> if these records weren't deleted before." Odo and Cisco were able to find them, right? Well, if you live in paradise, you could be forgiven for not, you know, for being a little bit guileless. Yeah, that's fair, right? These people are inexperienced at at this kind of craft. We talked about how it seemed unfair that Riker was such a good haggler in that episode of TNG where he gets on FaceTime with Quark and, like, uh, they haggle over the price of something. Uh-huh. Uh, given that Riker grew up in a cashless society and would never have had to pay anything for anything, much less yeah. negotiate a, a fair price for it. Yeah. This this kind of seems like it's, it, it's that same issue. If you don't really need that tight of security because you live in a nearly perfect society, why would you ever be that good at security? Right. It kind of explains a lot of the problems that Worf has, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All of the unlocked doors on the entrepreneur suddenly start yeah. to start to add up. <laughs> uh, I, I really loved where Odo was standing in this scene, because he's, he's kind of like uh, investigation training wheels for Cisco. He's standing outside of the uh outside of the camera angle that the FaceTime would be getting, but he's still there, like listening in on on what the ambassador's saying and providing Cisco with some some tips. Do you think the reason he didn't turn himself into a paperweight was because paperweights don't have ears? Oh. With which to hear the conversation? I don't know. It does seem like he's aware of stuff going on when he's when he's an inanimate object because he always knows when yeah. to go gold right at the most dramatic moment. I wonder if it was an issue of budget. Like, you can only turn him gold so many times in a season and they were just trying to be efficient with it. Yeah. Well, I like that part too, Ben, just the leaning up against the TV viewer. Yeah. It kind of looks like it might be an actual HD TV, like an, an early example uh-huh. of an HD TV that they used in this set, but then they drew a, an outline of a really big TV on the wall around it. It's funny. so great. It's very funny. 
This Bolian he's talking to is super paranoid. And the thing that makes this Bolian so overmatched in this moment is that Ben Sisko isn't saying anything. He's allowing the Bolian to tell him what he wants to know. And it's clear that there's a cover-up happening because the Bolian says that Red Squad performed their mission admirably. And so if Red Squad was on a mission and it had to do with this blackout and there's some upset feelings about the records involved about Red Squad's uh, whereabouts there, right. then what are we doing? We're, we're constructing a cover-up here, a conspiracy, if you will. And, mm. uh, and, and Cisco, by just being a good listener, is getting a ton of information. He's also listening to Cadet Nog at, uh, at his dad's restaurant. It's interesting that... Uh, that Cisco and Nog kind of have this in common, that the previous generation and their families are entertainers and they're they're both Starfleets. Yeah. Um, yeah. But boy, he really puts the screws to Nog in this in this scene. It's really fun. Because Nog is like talking about, oh man, like those guys in Red Squad are so cool. They're not afraid of anything. And Cisco's like, why don't you tell me like the names of some of those guys? And Nog's like, ooh, I don't know if I should. <laughs> Cisco's like, I uh, last I checked, you didn't have a single pip on your little light gray cadet uniform. I got four full pips, dude. You're going to tell me some names. Isn't it interesting that the two most explosive treatments of a leader to a subordinate that I can remember on this show is Picard blowing up at Wesley in the first duty. Either you come forward and tell Admiral Brand what really took place or I will. Captain. Dismissed. Yeah. And Ben Sisko blowing up at Nog. I want a name, and I want it now, and that is in order. Understood, Mr. Nog? Both of them were captains. Both of the subordinates were cadets. And I'm really struggling to think of another time when this happened between a captain and and someone working for them. Can you yeah. think of an example of that? I don't like you. I mean, I guess if you get this a couple of times as a cadet, you probably don't do it that much once you're out doing your actual career. Yeah. Um, but interesting that the show is reluctant to to show us a conflict that rises to that level among adults, for example, because it's very, like, adult versus teenager. Definitely. Um, I, I don't envy Nog having to go through it in public. It's scary to watch... Avery Brooks do this to him. It sure is. It's effective, though. I mean, uh, the next scene is uh, is Cisco having a meeting with Cadet Shepard, who is a third-year academy student. Starfleet Service Number C95304699427. He may also be a third Busey. <laughs> he really I does thought. have Jake wow. Busey teeth. <laughs> Yeah, if the Buseys aren't picking up the phone, I think you got to call this actor. Boy, it's kind of... And they shoot him teeth forward, too, right? It's yeah. like their center screen. It's kind of like if uh, if if you had Jake Busey teeth, you would look like this. I don't necessarily agree. I feel like this guy has a much bigger jaw than me. Well, yeah, because of all the Jake Busey teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to fit him in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You need to push push some furniture aside for those fucking things. <laughs> a little more to the left. Um, yeah, and and like this is another like great use of chain of command. Yeah. By by Cisco, he just casually asking questions like this cadet doesn't know 
the contours of the of like what is and is not secret and who he should and should not talk to about this and he's talking you know he it's been established that he admires Ben Cisco and uh, also Ben Cisco is the head of Starfleet security for Earth so it is excusable that this cadet would be willing to to blab about this but turns out he's proud too right the mission went perfectly if anything, it was easier than the simulations. The difference between Ben Sisko and this cadet is that Sisko is very taciturn, mm-hmm. and the cadet is like, yeah, he's like, like we didn't wanting screw him to be up. proud of him, like like wa- like a son wanting a, a father to be proud. He's like, you wouldn't believe how great the plan went. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we took some uh, we took some flying classes. Didn't even bother learning how to land. Then we boarded some jets. James Woods nearly caught us, but did not. <laughs> Later on, Cisco and Odo are at the restaurant, the same restaurant that Ben Cisco never invites Odo to have a meal with him at. <laughs> like they're there after closing, and like Ben helps himself to a glass of milk. That, this scene kind of made me sad. Like, is Odo in hiding? I kind of feel like he is, isn't he? He doesn't want to have lunch or dinner at the restaurant around other people, probably. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's not making himself other people's problem. They're doing a debrief with each other about the status of things, and they, and by the end of it, you get the sense that neither of them know why any of this is happening. Like, what's the point of shutting off the power station, and why would Red Squad be doing it? And, like, where do the changelings they believe to be on, on Earth fit into all this? Stuff's not adding up. What have they accomplished? There's been no invasion and power's been restored. You know, like the implications of it are are yucky. I feel like my stomach would be a knot and I might have second thoughts about having a big glass of milk while, while going through that. Yeah, the night milk thing. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not even lactose intolerant and I, I know that I wouldn't want to have a big, great big glass of milk right before I went to bed. It's mentioned later that non-replicated coffee tastes better than replicated coffee. I wonder if Cisco goes for the milk because uh, he knows that... Oh, it's like a luxury item. That Joe Cisco went to Trader Joe's and got it fresh. Yeah. Got the non-homogenized kind that you have to shake up. The fat cap incorporates into the rest of the milk. Mmm. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I don't like drinking milk. Oh, man. At any, at any time. Only way to go if you if you get some chocolate chip cookies. Nice big frosty glass of milk and some chocolate chip cookies. Nothing better, Adam. I think if your if your cookie game is strong, a beverage accompaniment is unnecessary. I agree. I don't think that I don't think you should need the milk, but I think it's a it's nice. And I think uh, I think you should reprogram yourself about that a little bit. I like a little scoop of ice cream on a hot cookie. Like that's good. That's great. I, I can't get with the milk, though. I can't do it. Mostly because I never have milk in the house. Yeah. Cisco's got a big dilemma here because all of this is pointing at something really bad. And all of the people involved are people that he has a long history with and respects. Yeah. And like like his line... These aren't evil people, Odo. As he's describing them and grappling with the implications that they might be doing something like extremely, extremely bad felt like a really smart moment in the script, you know, having like gotten this responsibility that he's gotten to, to do the right thing and, and 
be a custodian of the democracy that paradise earth enjoys and overcoming the kind of like social cost of having to having to like name the the people he is working with who are actually committing treason it's shocking how many times this episode both this one and and in part one it's shocking the prescience that this script has not only for circumstances in the world that would happen five-ish years later yeah. but then 20 years after that like <laughs> like the repetition of what this episode is cautioning you against is maybe the saddest part of it it's not just one instance of yeah. of not getting it it's multiple instances over and over again and yeah. i think it's it makes the script kind of a miracle in that way it's such a different tone than the part one episode. Yeah, yeah. Like we talked a lot about how like how many like goofy com- comedic breaks there were in the last episode, and how strange that felt in a like post nine eleven world. Right. This episode has none of that. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna have to add them all back in. That's that's what we do. We take a serious subject matter and make it seriouser. That's the greatest gen promise. Yeah. What are you doing now? Exactly. Back at the office of the president, uh, President Hamburger Helper Hands is. <laughs> Is like receiving a recap. Like he's he's got the briefing right now, and he is incredulous about this. The idea that Starfleet would plot to overthrow the Federation government is the single most astonishing accusation I have ever heard. And he wants proof. Like the story is so fantastical, he just cannot wrap his his mind around it. Or, or his loafy hands. Yeah. They're saying, you know, we don't have like physical proof right here right now that that Admiral Layton is doing a military coup, but why don't you order him to take his troops off the streets and like stand down and see what happens? And I thought that was a terrible suggestion because if he if Layton gets that order and defies it, like the coup is over, you know. Yeah, this is such an interesting part in the episode and an interesting part of the president's character, a, a character that I thought was shitty in the first half. Like, yeah. I thought this was a bad character doing dumb things in the first half, but he articulates the problem here really elegantly when he's like, Right now, the public overwhelmingly supports the increased security. If I try to remove those troops over Layton's objection, I'll have a planet-wide riot on my hands. The president was entirely characterized in the last episode via Leighton. Like, every, yeah. everything we got about the president was filtered through Leighton's opinion yeah. of him. So, like, it is really cool in this episode that they're kind of, like, letting us see him outside of a Leighton meeting and, and, yeah. and, like, being frank about the about the different forces he's grappling with. Yeah, that's a good point. It's cool. I think that happens a lot in television, though. You know, like, you have very little respect for Rom unless he's apart from Quark, for example. Like, the relationships a character has with other characters colors how you feel about them. And getting the president away from Leighton here is an example of that. 
Yeah. So we have like a very long scene and at uh, Cisco's restaurant after hours where Admiral Layton shows up and uh, and shares some some coffee with uh, with Captain Ben. And uh, this just felt like vintage TNG moral debate. I really liked it. Somehow, replicated coffee never tastes this good. Ben Cisco's like, you know what's on my mind right now? It ain't the coffee. Yeah, he's wearing that weird bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want to know what's going to happen when Joe comes back to the restaurant? <laughs> I'm going to get a divorce. And we're not even married because he's my dad. <laughs> And I don't want to get a divorce, Admiral Layton. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, it, it seems weird that I wrote this scene so that I could say a bunch of ethnic slurs. Like, weird that I cast myself in this part of a racist that I wrote for myself. Right? Weird. Uh, this is the centerpiece scene of the episode and of the two-parters, I think, because you get Leighton side arguing full-throatedly for his position, and you get Cisco's side arguing against, and it's lawyer versus lawyer. And they are citing precedent, too. Like, they have history with each other. There was a an incident on a ship that Leighton was the captain of, that Cisco was the XO, and uh, they had some disagreement about attacking some Zenkethi, and Ben Cisco was overruled, and... Leighton wound up having been right in the long run. And this is like, this. the, the debate is basically like, Leighton is saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this coup and I'm your superior officer and I'm basically ordering you to like assist me in it. I'm still your commanding officer. And now more than ever, I need you to respect my authority. Like most bad guys, there is a massive flaw in his way of thinking, which is for a guy who's totally about chain of command ben cisco doesn't flip over the table and go if you're so big on chain of command why aren't you obeying your uh, commander-in-chief right big big chain of command guy <laughs> like give me a break you're using it against me but but you're a hypocrite he doesn't actually have big chain of command he just has big chain of command energy mm. you're also like if, if you're a soldier and you are ordered to do something illegal you're actually honor bound to ignore that order so yeah uh it's an interesting scene because Leighton is like dead certain that this is what must be done to ensure earth's safety yeah he is not an evil person like ben cisco said he's not thinking of this as being a, a, a bad thing he's th that he's like doing to a mass power around himself he's scared of the dominion and wants everybody to be as scared of the Dominion as he is and see them for the existential threat that he sees them as. And, like, he, he has rationalized everything he's done via uh, making the Earth a safer place. I know there's more going on with him, like, and he's saying that it's not a power grab, but I don't believe him. Right. Do you? I mean, that's the, that is the puzzle, right? Like, that's the puzzle of all power grabs. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that we are experiencing that politically in in this country right now where it's like there's like a very unprecedented power grab by people who claim to have a certain set of moral convictions and like it seems preposterous that they wouldn't be aware that mm -hmm. it, what what they're doing amounts to a coup or or whatever but but it's hard to know you know i mean maybe it's good 
that we're left guessing about Leighton's true intentions. I think in many cases that does a character justice and a story justice. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of ways to see him, I think. If you want Chief O'Brien pathos, Adam, this episode has none to offer you because we get some Chief O'Brien, but it is like the least pathos O'Brien has ever had because it's not really O'Brien, is it? You're not O'Brien. Ah, luckily, no. This is a really fun scene. This is like that scene in JFK when Donald Sutherland sits down with Kevin Costner and they talk about conspiracies. Like, they're all by themselves. Ben Sisko can't do anything while this changeling is, like, gloating. Yeah. It's awesome. And giving him, like, a bunch of information. Anybody's guess whether this is true or not, but he's saying it's a changeling in the form of O'Brien saying, yeah, there's only four of us here on Earth, and we've really got you guys flipping your shit. It's the confidence of a person and a people who know that they can't be hurt in this moment. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, like, he doesn't give a shit. There's only four here. What are you going to do about it? It yeah. could be four or 4,000 changelings on Earth. doesn't matter. You get the You're sense that fucked. they've done this so many times that it's just... Yeah, like it's a playbook. It's a, it's Yeah, everything that the humans are going to do is predictable for them. All of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Yeah. It's very scary. There's some darkness about that, for sure. You know, real, uh, real solid Cisco grimace to commercial at the end of this. <laughs> To be quite honest about it, that was in a pail. A fucking pail. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my little state. I don't use the bucket anymore. Yeah, the one place where you want to be brooding is your dad's restaurant. Like, if you don't want to talk about your problems, you probably shouldn't be hanging around with your dad. (laughs) But uh, he does get a nice piece of advice from, uh, from Pops. Joe Sisko compares what his son is going through to a time when as a teenager ben cisco had a crush on a girl and like didn't do anything about it for a long time i really identified with this like the like not having the nerve to express your feelings to a girl in high school (laughs) that was all of high school for me the whole comparison of an extinction level event to a high school relationship with a girl is hilarious, though, Joe. I know you're trying to help, but... Yeah. Psycho-emotionally true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he reaches through the brood, though, and connects with him in a way that's constructive. Yeah. And so uh, it spurs Ben to action. Uh, what he does is uh, he and Odo break into Leighton's office... And, uh, and download a bunch of computer records that will amount to proof of the uh, of the plot that is in place. Leighton has been reassigning officers all throughout Starfleet in order to like put officers loyal to him in key positions of power for when mm-hmm. this coup goes down. Yeah, it's like it's a movement of hundreds of people. And it's creepily arranged around a a special date because the president's going to be making a big speech and a bunch of these people are going to be moved into areas proximate to that speech. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And they get caught. Captain, I'm surprised to find you here. They get caught by, uh, I guess she's still Commander Benteen at this point. I think by this moment she was promoted to captain. Isn't this the scene where he's like, oh, congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Right. God, Leighton's just giving promotions away like like Make, Oprah gives away cars. He's got just pockets full of pips and he's making it rain. 
Every time he walks around, you can just hear them rattling like change. <laughs> hey, have a pip. Enjoy it. Say hello to your mother. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Cisco like tries to show up at the president's office to uh, to to drop this this truth bomb on the president, but Leighton and a bunch of gold shirts and Benteen are are already there, and uh, Benteen does a uh, a blood test on Cisco, and it goes gold. He's a shapeshifter. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't resist at all. Yeah. They throw him in the brig. It kind of reminds me of that time that uh, that Bashir was a uh, secret changeling. Right. And they had to take him off to the brig. And, and like, there's nothing you say after somebody announces that you're under arrest that is going to, like, change their mind about whether you're under arrest. Like, at that point, you just have to go through the process. That's a great call. He's just waiting for his lawyer. Yeah. And uh, his lawyer is apparently Odo. <laughs> Odo's been a lawyer before. He was in, he was a lawyer for O'Brien back when he was uh, put in the clink on Cardassia. Oh, yeah, that's true. So he's got reps. Leighton comes down to see Cisco in jail before, uh, before Odo shows up. And I felt like at this point he was wavering a little bit, which I thought mm. was a surprising choice. Yeah. Like that Leighton would be a little bit vulnerable to arguments that, that he's actually like doing something really ill. The personal stuff seems to reach him. The strategy stuff doesn't. Right. But he is weakened by his relationship to Ben Sisko for sure. Yeah. Weakened enough to let Ben Sisko wear a com badge into his holding cell. <laughs> Do you think that the, the cell negates the ability to, to communicate? Or was that a mistake, you think? Yeah, maybe, or maybe they give you, like, a fake one just because, like, most Starfleet officers just feel naked without it. Yeah, you don't want to walk around looking that way. If you want a little uh, little peek into the mechanics of this world, Adam, one, one peek we get is the blood cart lady who comes down <laughs> to the security area. Blood draws! <laughs> cigarettes! <laughs> yeah, she's wearing a little mini skirt and a pillbox yeah, hat. She's got to make those tips, Ben. Yeah. I love the little shop talk she has with her coworker. Yeah, they call her a vampire. I want more shop talk on this show. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But uh, one of the objects on the cart was actually secretly Odo, so this, uh, this security measure is terrible. Yeah. And uh, Odo knocks everybody out. <laughs> is able to spring Ben Sisko from the clink. and uh, There was blood and urine samples on that cart, Ben, and so Odo didn't have to work very hard to be one of those. <laughs> I look just like that one guy who wasn't super well hydrated. It takes very little effort for me to turn into a gallon of urine. <laughs> I have to be careful when I go to planets where most of the population are piss freaks because people want to drink me. <laughs> Pretty fun fight scene here, including a neck pinch. Yeah. It's great. Odo must have been cross-training with some Volks. Yeah, he gets right in there on the beverage cart lady. Yeah. Takes her down non-lethally. That's what you want to do, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Those people are just are just pawns. They, they know yeah. not what they do. Yeah. Um, so they split up, and Ben goes to arrest Leighton in his office but it's kind of like a house arrest thing where Cisco is like is like keeping him at phaser point for the entire rest of the episode basically yeah that arm's gonna get tired <laughs> dustbuster is heavy 
Yeah. It's got a big lithium battery in it. You ever enter one of those contests at a bar where it's like, hold the stein of beer out in front of you, and whoever whoever can hold it out there the longest gets a free round or whatever? Oh, man. I've never been it's to like a that. bar that had a contest of any kind. <laughs> this is a long time ago for me. Not yeah, invited I'd, to those types of places. Anyone who's ever seen my arms would be able to predict that I was not the winner of this contest. <laughs> but I wasn't the first one out, which I was very proud of. Yeah. There was someone without any arms at all that actually went out first. Yeah. They should have their own separate contest, though. Right. So concurrently to this, the Defiant is on its way. The cavalry is coming. And word on the street is that all the wormhole winking that they thought was being caused by penetrations by the Jem'Hadar was actually a device on that communications relay that they installed in the G-Quad many episodes ago. Yeah. So there's there's been some uh, some shoes thrown at this thing. Hence the word sabotage. And they arrested the guy who did it. Yeah, working for Leighton. Yeah, and he's in the brig on DS9, unclear whether or not he's wearing a comm badge. I think they're bringing him on the Defiant, right? Oh, yeah? He's hitching a ride? I think that I think they're like bringing him to Earth to stand trial for what he's done or something. Is he the titular dope in the dope on the table scene that, <laughs> that we're promised? Captain Benteen, now in command of the Lakota, has been sent out to stop the Defiant, and she and her crew have been told that everybody on the Defiant is in fact a shape-shifting founder, and uh, and and she should stop at nothing to prevent them from getting to Earth. So we get a fun Federation-on-Federation Federation space battle when Worf decides, yeah, let's fight these guys. <laughs> let's, see what this, uh, let's see what this puppy can do. At the end of Wrath of Khan, did we resolve the whole garage door opener code that exists between Federation starships to the degree that there's a reason why such codes weren't used in this fight scene? Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. It's much more fun that they're they're both fully defending and attacking each other. Yeah. I, I really liked this fight scene. It seemed like a lot faster paced than your typical starship to starship fight scene, which I guess is because the little D is like so much more maneuverable. I was kind of missing interior of the Excelsior class yeah. getting exploded, but that's a big build. Like you understand uh <laughs> line producer wise why that was not possible right well i mean you understand but also like it's something that they like on discovery like they'll just build the bridge of an entire ship for a single episode and like that's it's it's really fun to live in an era where the constraints of that seem to be less serious man i wonder how much professional jealousy there is among production people like wow, just yeah. looking at the bucket loads of money thrown at disco that uh, you just can't get right and we know what 90s. an excelsior class bridge looks like we i mean yeah it's it's been built for the films so yeah it wouldn't be the full price of conceiving designing and building people have strange relationships to the value of things on studio lots though like they famously destroyed and threw the enterprise d bridge like Outside by a dumpster. Yeah. People don't consider that shit. Yeah. It's a weird deal. Morn. 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 Sweet. Morn. 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 You hear, buddy? Morn. Stop. Have a time. 
both ships basically swing haymakers at each other, and shit's not good. Like, they're kind of fighting to a draw. They fight to a serious <laughs> enough draw that they're basically like, all right, one of us, like, the next person to shoot is going to kill the other ship. Right. And at that point, there are already people dead on both sides. Like, there are a couple of casualties on the little D. There's a couple, there's like 20 or something on the Lakota. Worf is like, <laughs> nice. Uh, uh and uh, and this is when Captain Benteen decides to stand down and allow the little D to proceed to Earth. This is a real moment of truth for Leighton. Like, Leighton has an opportunity to tell Benteen to stand down and instead orders her to keep going. And it's Benteen, really, that makes the decision for herself right. in this moment yeah. and defies him. And this is an angle that Ben Sisko uses on Leighton in telling him that it's over. Benteen's already abandoned you, and she was closer to you than anyone. If Leighton doesn't have Benteen's allegiance, then he really has no chance of this plan being successful. This moment is really interesting to me. We talked uh, on Friendly Fire about this movie Valkyrie, where Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is like a high-ranking German officer who is involved in a a plot to assassinate Hitler and take over the German government during World War II. And there's like a great sequence in that movie where they're like running the, they're running the coup from a set of offices and they, it kind of slowly starts to dawn on them that it's not going their way and, and that, yeah. that the divisions of troops that they were counting on being on their side or not and stuff. And, yeah. and you kind of see... Leighton go through this like well I still got all of these like loyal officers and all these places like well we're still gonna like you know this didn't go perfectly but I still have yeah. enough support and Cisco is like you're gonna fight fucking Earth and Starfleet to get your way now? Don't you see Admiral? You're fighting the wrong war. One of the seven steps of a failed coup is bargaining Yeah. That's, that's what he's doing here <laughs> It really is and lawyer Cisco eventually argues the case successfully enough that uh, that Leighton dumps out his final six pips, takes him off his collar and sets him on the table. Pips on the table, like his gun and his badge. Yeah, yeah. He walks out of the room and Cisco sets the sets the com badge and the dustbuster down beside them and like looks at the pips very gravely. Yeah. What did you think about that moment? Because I, I I felt like, you know, Cisco's kind of walked back from the his life goal just being like become an admiral mm-hmm. very quickly, and uh, I felt like the weight of him like picking up those those admiral pips was pretty heavy. I got the feeling that he kept them too, like as as some kind of. Some kind of talisman of uh, of abuse of power. Yeah, like something that would serve as a reminder for him down the road. Yeah. The button on the episode is the drawdown of the security state on Earth. And, and all of Joe Sisko's customers are beaming away. <laughs> and he is... He's really in a lot of trouble at this point. Yeah. He's like yelling, leave a nice Yelp review! <laughs> And uh, Ben kind of gets a turn-to-camera like Tasha Yargod in the drugs episode, you know, talking about the dangers of doing the bad guys work for them. And yeah. This is, this is a punctuation to the point of this episode and the episode before. Like, in case you didn't get it, this is what it's <laughs> actually about. 
Yeah. And I don't mean that to disparage the scene. I think it is a necessity of it yeah, to kind of wrap things up. It's not badly done at all. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it made me sad just thinking about what this episode is trying to say in the context of of the world today. But maybe we can talk more about that during the did you like this episode part of the show, Ben? Yeah, we can talk about that then. Did you like the episode, Adam? <laughs> yeah, I did. I feel like the story was well told and efficiently told here. Mm-hmm. And I liked it a lot and I like what it represents as far as a warning. Like this is an episode that warns Star Trek, right? Like it warns the idea of Star Trek. Yeah. In a way that is very interesting because I like when the show comments on itself in addition to commenting on 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 the viewer's world as they experience it. So I, in that way, I thought it was effective. The paranoia really worked for me, especially. Yeah. I thought for sure the button on the episode would be Joe being a shapeshifter. Like once everyone <laughs> left, he was a he was gold the whole time. But uh, I'm fine with that. That would have been too cute, I think. What yeah. about you, Ben? Would have been like really devastating to have him have been. Yeah. Even Joe is like, why don't, why aren't you being paranoid that I'm suddenly all for blood draws, whereas before I wasn't? Like, yeah. Joe kind of goads his son into recognizing his changing relationship to to what's happening on Earth, but he doesn't take the bait. Yeah. I really liked the episode. I, I thought it was so much better than Homefront. It, Weird, right? There's some things that are very effectively set up in Homefront, like the president I feel like is really well established in home front and then kind of complicated in a fun and surprising way in this episode but the tone of this one was more even and felt a little bit more appropriate to the subject matter and it just felt really smart and well argued as like yeah. you know it's definitely making a case for a certain way of thinking and I feel like it makes that case very effectively like I don't think you don't need home front but I I, I kind of wish that one had gotten a little bit more script love, I guess. It's interesting that they're both, both scripts are written by the same people. And I wouldn't have expected such a change in that way. Yeah. Part one to part two for yeah. that reason. Very strange. What I do expect is that we probably have a couple of priority one messages in our inbox. You want to check on those? Indeed we do. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature, and it's from our pal Sarah Archer. What? Yeah. Uh, she has a book coming out. It's called Mid-Century Kitchen. Oh, man. And it's, uh, and it's available right now from Countryman Press. I follow her on Twitter, and she shared uh, some things there, like some uh, some screen grabs of the book and some of the pictures that, that are in it, and I'm really excited about it. Here's, uh, here's the copy she asked me to read. The Mid-Century Kitchen is a new book by Sarah Archer that will transport you back to the world of the futuristic kitchens of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Technology and taste, from aqua to avocado, this beautifully illustrated pop history of kitchen design, appliances, and culinary culture is a must-do for foodies, fans of mid-century design, and retro-futurists alike. Man, I am all of those things. 
I know. Uh, so friends of DeSoto and fans of vintage kitchen design are sure to enjoy the lavishly illustrated Mid-Century Kitchen, now available from Countryman Press and uh, wherever you like to get your books. Hell yeah. Sarah Archer, book coming out. That's killer. Get that book, Mid-Century Kitchen. Uh, Adam, we have a second priority one message here. It's of a personal nature. It's from Alex from Sector 47, and then it says in parentheses, Pomona College loves Star Trek. <laughs> and it's for Ben and Adam. It goes like this. Hi, guys. We met in Phoenix. I was awkward. Here's what I meant to say. You'll have to be more specific. (laughs) (laughs) So were we, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Here's what I meant to say. I struggle with mental health because of Trump. Your show has meant so much to me while I'm on news blackouts to keep my sanity intact. Thank you for making a thing that is warm, optimistic, and enjoys scarves and loaves. This is the the Ro Laren song from Wu-Tang. She is my bae. Thanks, Alex. Uh, the Rolaren song is not from Wu Tang. Guess again, Alex. <laughs> You're gonna make Alex get another P1 to to submit a, a follow up guess. I'm not gonna make Alex do that. I think this question has been asked and answered. Yeah, a bunch. Alex, uh, thank you for coming to a live show, and uh, I'm glad that our show can uh, can uh, be a comfort to you while while uh, you know taking care of yourself. It's uh, it is really important to know what your limits are, W slash R slash T, news intake. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's for sure. I'm, uh, I've definitely been there a bunch of times in the last couple of years of just needing to like tune it out for a while and not feel like I bear all of the responsibility of it every single day. We don't have the news on 24 hours a day like everyone's parents. Yeah, man. Really trying to talk my dad into uh, knocking it off with that. Lately. Well, uh, if you have a priority one message of a commercial or personal nature, you can go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and book announcements are $200. They are a great way to help you get the word out on your book or get a message out to your friends, and uh, they support the ongoing production of this program. So thanks very much. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! It feels like a cop-out, but I'm going to give it to uh, El Presidente again. (laughs) I feel like they get achingly close to him being interesting, (laughs) and they just don't do it. The idea of of, of an Earth being a paradise in the future... Has never felt more far-fetched. <laughs> and so the idea of there being this this in the show interested me greatly, but I wanted a leader installed here that made me happy in both ways. Like, I wanted to have perfect future Paradise Earth, but I also wanted a president that I liked and thought could handle a problem, and this guy never could at any point. And he was sort of feckless and bad, for most of the two-part episode. And while he was able to articulate some issues he was having a little better this time around, I still didn't think he was a good character. And uh, I think for that reason, I'm going to give him a Shimoda. I think they got to vote him out of office, Ben. Get him out of there. Wow. Don't replace him with Leighton. Like, this should be a, a, a democratically voted installation of a new leader. But I think... You got to get this guy out of here. He's trash. Got to impeach the motherfucker already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what about you? 
Mine uh, also maybe feels a little bit like a cop-out, but it's Shapeshift O'Brien. Yeah. Felt really drunk Shimoda-like, just like kind of, just kind of carefree and didn't, uh, didn't give a fuck. It, it felt very fun for Kalamini. Like, yeah. you couldn't help but think that this was great for him. Just coming in in very high spirits. Uh, yeah. I loved it. I, I mean, yeah. you could tell something was wrong with him the second he walked in because he seemed happy. <laughs> so he goes like, you're not the real O'Brien. <laughs> Are you sick? <laughs> What's happening? Gotta get that, get that gold press action. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace. And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. 
zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, Ben, uh, we have started over at the beginning of our game of buttholes. Will of the Prophets game, but uh, what is the episode we're going to be watching next time around? The next episode is season four, episode 12, Crossfire. Odo's hidden feelings for Kira interfere with his duty to protect the Bajoran first minister, who also happens to be attracted to her. Ooh. So a little bit of a love triangle. <laughs> that's, that's French for triangle? I don't know. Probably okay. not. I just made it up. <laughs> Very plausible to me, Ben. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Got the die in my hand, and I'm about to cast the die. We're currently on square six. And uh, several squares ahead, we've got a Coco No-No episode. So maybe we'll go there. I have rolled a three. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which puts us on square nine and right on the doorstep of that Coco Nono tiki-themed drunk episode. So okay. close, but no cocktail for us. <laughs> Regular old episode. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to it. Um, we got a few thank yous to, to get through here. Uh, we should thank... All of the people that make all the great, like, fan art for the show. Yeah. I want to specifically call out our buddy Bill Tilly, who makes trading cards of every episode, and J.J. Lendl, who makes a movie poster of each episode of the show and puts it up the Sunday before our episode drops. We uh, say this all the time. They can quit at any time. Yeah. They are not obligated to do this. I hope this isn't a stress for them because it's an enjoyment for us. We love it. And uh, we love all the other art that uh, that gets created around the show too uh use the hashtag greatest gen on twitter to send that stuff to us uh i'm on there at benjamin r a h r and adam is on there at cut for time we hang up the art that we get at live shows or or in the mail and stuff it's really fun to uh to have that stuff around all the stuff that people make about the show is uh really great terrific uh, we should also uh, give a big, big thanks to the friends of DeSoto who go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and contribute to the production of this show on a monthly basis. We literally could not do this without you, and uh, it's the main way we make a living now. So uh, if, uh, if this show is of value to you, if you would be uh, sad to see it go away, uh, think about what uh, what you could part with on a monthly basis to ensure its ongoing production, and uh, sign up and uh, and do that. It's got to be a successful mission, Ben. What are we willing to do to ensure that it works? Yeah. A coup? Wow. I would coup for this show. <laughs> we should also thank all the people that go to Apple Podcasts and leave nice reviews of the program, and uh, the folks that yeah, recommend that it big time. to friends. And, uh, you know, uh, sign up for our mailing list at gach.biz slash mail, where uh, we'll have um, 
I'll have news about uh, about live shows uh, later on this year uh, coming up. But uh, if you'd like to see us live sooner rather than later, come to the Friendly Fire live shows that we've announced uh, at friendlyfire.fm slash live. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which is uh, about... Uh, Amwa de Triangle. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Triang. A, a giant chest of clothing. Did I did I pronounce both words wrong? Yes. Armoire. Amour. <laughs> Amour. <laughs> I like it my way better. Armoire de Triangle. Yeah, yeah. It's but, just a closet full of love, man. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Awful. I'm hitting stop. Me too. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.